0: Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. This week, we're joined by former Chief of Police Jim Corwin, who now sits on the city's newest committee to study violent crime and local control. We discuss how the department has changed over the years, the effects of pandemic and protests have on a community, and the continued struggle for local control of Kansas City's police department. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Good to hear. So you were most recently the chief of Kansas City Police Department, but tell me a little bit about how you started your career.
1: I started my career actually in 1977. Uh, It was my first job out of college. I went to work for the state of Missouri as a a 21-year-old Missouri State Liquor Control agent, uh, hoping to be a state trooper. That was my goal. Uh, Went to St. Louis for for about a year or so to work in St. Louis as as an agent. And my hope was to transfer into the highway patrol, but as fortunes would happen, I transferred back to Kansas city and started working with the vice unit and, uh, really enjoyed myself working with the vice unit in the Kansas city police department decided to make an application and got hired and, uh, started the Academy in 1979. And, uh, my first job as a police officer was a patrol officer at the Metro patrol division. And, uh, Basically went through the ranks as a, as a police officer and touched all the bases and was fortunate enough to be at the right place at the right time and was appointed a police chief in uh, 2004.
0: Okay. Um, and how long did you serve in that role?
1: I was the chief for seven years.
0: Okay, great. Throughout your time on the force, how have you seen the department change? Uh, maybe, you know, since, it, since you began through since you left?
1: Oh my, it has changed tremendously. I mean, when I came on in 1979, just for example, the technology is, the police cars had uh, uh, basically two red lights and a siren. Uh, One knob turned the red lights on, one switch turned on the siren. You had a Motrack Motorola radio. Uh, and a shotgun that was upright right in the in front of this in the front of the bench seat and that was pretty much it your tools were a, a baton a wooden baton I think we they issued us a can of mace at the time which really was a pain because all it did was spray yourself in the car <laughs> uh, but <laughs> exactly but that was that was kind of the beginning of the technology the uh, uh, there was a computer system it was very good but that was basically the dispatchers had that but nothing in the cars uh, everything was by hand uh, so it was pretty, I mean it was pretty primitive, but uh, seeing talking to the people and, and the guys that were leaving when I came on, that was pretty we had uh, new tools by their standards. Uh, certainly the cars didn't have any automatic windows or some had air conditioning, some didn't have air conditioning. So it, it, was, it, was, it was kind of interesting to look back on it now. Uh, what the, what's in the cars now looks like a, a jet airplane. Uh, right and and just for example it's kind of a funny example probably i'm telling on myself there was a photo shoot that we had on state line with the kansas agencies and the missouri agencies and i can't remember what it was for but we had all the police cars lined up on state line and the photographer who was doing the photo shoot said, well Chiefs, which could you turn the red lights on your police car your respective police cars uh there was very few chiefs that, under, that could turn on the, the, the red lights on a police car. And that was kind of telling about how the technology had changed from the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of embarrassing, but it was really kind of a, a telling story about how technology has changed.
0: Sure, sure. And I'm sure now, um, you know, they're going to start implementing body cams for all officers and things like that. Uh, that the technology has just advanced so much, um, even in the past couple of years.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can remember when we didn't, you know, the, the whole cell phone thing, uh, you know, pagers uh, back when I started a, a pager was a, a, was a basically a piece of plastic that, that would go off in the middle of where, wherever you were, a, a family meal or a movie, and it would just go make a big loud beep sound and tell you to call the dispatcher. That was, <laughs> that was, that, that was our, that was our paging system at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember when my parents had those and, you know, always the most inconvenient time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, so, even with all this new technology we have, it seems like crime isn't really decreasing that much. And I heard you were chosen to serve on the Mayor's Committee Against Violent Crime. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of exciting. Uh, the mayor asked me to, if I wouldn't mind, chairing a committee. And the committee was made by resolution that actually Melissa Robinson had introduced. And it's uh, a study group. And the study group is tasked with looking at uh, uh, violent crime and uh, the, the local control of the police department issue and how that kind of works together. So we're going through, It's uh, it's, a, it's actually a study group. And we're having meetings about every other week um, virtually having basic Zoom meetings, but there are people coming downtown in person. And we're going through the, the asking questions, probing questions about violent crime, the different agencies that are responsible for uh, social services. We'll be talking to people in the academic world, but we'll be talking about former uh, police commissioners. Uh, so it's, it's really a, a, a study, kind of a deep dive into uh, a study and I'm not sure what we're going to come up with, but what we're finding is, uh, I think we're having more questions and answers as we go through the process. It's very interesting.
0: Sure. And who else is on this um, study group? Uh,
1: Council, Councilwoman Melissa Robinson, uh, Councilwoman T- Teresa Lohr, uh, Melissa. Johnson, who's a former prosecutor, but now she's with a a private law firm, and Jarrett Bustamante, who uh, works with the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office.
0: Okay, so it seems like a pretty wide variety of, you know, outlooks, opinions, things like that. That's good. Yes. Um, So Kansas City has had 106, I believe, homicides so far this year, and, you know, we're all hearing that that that's relatively high. Um, How would you compare that to the rate when you were on the force?
1: I think the, the my average, I think if you take the seven years I was on, I think the average comes out to 103 homicides a year, but that went down below the hundred mark and the, over the hundred mark. So we're, we're up in the neighborhood of where we had some homicides back in the mid nineties. Uh, we were touching 150 homicides uh, for a period of time in the mid nineties. Uh, so this is very unusual, but uh, what we're finding out uh, through the study group, it's just, it's, it's a very complex piece right now. And uh, a lot of these homicides, they're not, some of them aren't linked. Uh, some of them are linked. Uh, you'll have anger management issues in a lot of these pieces. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a complex issue that people are scratching their heads right now, and everybody's got an opinion, of course, uh, but that's where we're kind of doing a deep dive and to see if we can dissect some of this stuff to see if there's a commonality.
0: Sure, um I know a lot of people have different theories on the subject, um but do you think covid nineteen has worsened the crime rates
1: you know i don't know i mean that's a that's a great question i I just don't know i mean. I know my wife and I have been pretty much uh, self quarantined the whole time because she's a, uh, a cancer patient so she's uh, she's one of the people that are very susceptible to the to the virus so we've been kind of in in the house so and other people have had certain circumstances that have really altered their life changing uh, they're changing their lives too so you can't rule it out sure
0: um, so if community members you know wanted to take some sort of action do something to support the police force and people who are, you know, trying to fight these crimes, solve these crimes, uh, what steps could they take?
1: First step is, is, is for me personally, is get involved in your community. Uh, Get to know your neighbors. I mean, this sounds kind of old school and kind of, you know, corny, but, you know as we you know we quarantine ourselves we're, we're isolating ourselves but even before that uh, with the advent of electricity with the air conditioning and all that stuff that's kind of you know in our lifestyles have getting so uh, complicated and uh, and fast and we're so we're busy people uh, we've kind of got away with knowing our neighbor and who lives in our neighbor, our neighborhood. Uh, That's step one is just to know your neighbor because I think relationships are very, very key to what, what, how you learn what happens in your neighborhood. Uh, You can be an advocate for each other. So that's, I mean, it's a, it's a real, like I say, it's a kind of a corny thing to say, but those relationships within your community uh, with your neighbors are very, very important. And then from that, you know, being, get involved, get involved with your neighborhood associations, getting, getting involved with churches, schools, uh, civic organizations, all those things are going to help build community. And the more we know each other and the more we understand each other, uh, the better off we're going to be.
0: Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, So today, the Special Committee for Legal Review is considering an ordinance to have Kansas Cityans vote on prioritizing local control. Was this considered when you were a chief at all?
1: Oh, several times. It it came up several times. I know five years ago, St. Louis, who was another uh, local control or state controlled police department, uh, they went. It was actually a statewide referendum and voted, and they went back to uh, being local control, what I would call uh, local political control. Um, So Kansas City, over the years, this has been discussed. It's been uh, talked about, um, and we're going to talk about it again. And I think what uh, uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas was thinking about is like, well, let's put it on the uh put it on the ballot and see who's who's interested in talking about this because uh i'm a little bit and uh, what i could say i i like the current system because it works for me and we we had a lot of people involved uh with the, with the neighborhoods our relationships were very very good uh but I, the complaints i'm hearing now that the that some of the uh neighborhood groups aren't or don't think they're being involved in the in the decision making so i'm I'm anxious to see what that looks like because the system i think is a very good system but it can be worked on like any other systems that we, we can make we can improve it
0: sure and i believe the difference between you know kansas city's control right now versus st louis's before they went back local is that we have a local board of police commissioners is that correct
1: that's correct yes
0: um, so it seems like we have local control, you know, control is being had in the area. It's just not by the city government.
1: Well, what's, well it is actually is city government. That's the part that's very, uh, it's, it's a little complicated, a little confusing. But the more people understand how that governor's work, governance piece works, uh, those those four commissioners are from the different parts of the city. Uh, And the Senate, the Senate, uh, the senators representing the different parts of the city, have have always been the people that actually have have brought a, a name to surface to say this person would be a good commissioner, and then they have to be confirmed by the Senate. What's What's really interesting? I've kind of looked back into the history. The ninth senatorial ward or district. Uh, is normally represents the east side of the city, and going back into the seventies there was a senator named Mary Gant, and she happened to be the very first female senator uh, that that occupied a seat in the upper chamber of the missouri uh, assembly and uh, that that district, which is the ninth district, she uh, was responsible for uh bringing. Gwendolyn Wells' name to the board uh, was an African-American woman that, that served on the board. And then there was other uh, board members that have been through the times, uh, people like Bayless Tate, Jim Wilson. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank on the other ones, but they all came through uh, representing that east side of the city of the 9th District. And um, what's interesting to me is Phil Curls, uh, whose dad... Fred curls, uh, started freedom Inc. And uh, he was a Senator and was a Senator for quite some time. He was, a, he was the husband of Melba curls. who's also a, uh, a city councilwoman and national house, a house representative, uh, representative too. And he was followed by Mary Bland groves. Uh, and she was, re- she was followed by Yvonne Wilson and uh, Kiki curls came on by after her. So I guess my, my long rambling, point is here that we've had people that have represented uh the part of the city uh that needed to be represented and we've and we've worked really well with with those representatives and those senators and the police board and there's at least my experience as the chief there was a very good uh channel a very good uh and a respected communication channel so uh the local thing that people are talking about there's no representation and, and it's not and it's being run by the the state is really not true
0: sure it seems almost um fitting that you know those representatives at the state level that are choosing um or i guess nominating board of commissioner members um are from the east side because that's where especially this year, our crime has been most concentrated, you know?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and, all the, and uh, there's, four, there's four members and they're staggered terms. Uh, and uh, probably the, the very interesting point is the mayor is a voting member of that board. And also uh, there's been statute changes where he can be the president of the board and he can be the president of the board uh, during unusual times, such as what happened back uh, a few weeks ago when we had some of the protests that got out of hand. And I thought it was very interesting. The mayor was front and center uh with the police chief making a lot of a lot of different decisions and called emergency meetings with the board. So the representation and how fast that move and how nimble it was is a probably a positive about this governance system.
0: Sure. Yeah. Protests, um, it seems like they've been going on for you know weeks and months now. Um, how does something like that affect the police force, you know, their morale and everything?
1: Well, it's 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 again, it's very complicated because uh, police officers are called to do a lot of different things, and unfortunately, uh, societal issues, uh, the bad societal issues, and all the things that come with that, the police department and the men and women are asked to go out and basically control something that's that completely uh, not understood. Uh, We're asked to go into certain environments where we know we're going to be. Looked at uh, negatively, but their their that's the job is to preserve the peace. So unfortunately, they would like to pick and choose their battles, and then pick and choose when when they need to show up. But but that's not an option.
0: You've heard of Operation Legend, where you know federal agents from a couple different agencies are coming to Kansas City to help um, assist in reducing our violent crime. Uh, but the police department has always worked with federal agencies, right?
1: Absolutely. I've, 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 in my, during my career, I was actually uh, held a, a federal deputation where I worked on task force and uh, worked shoulder to shoulder with federal agencies working with the uh, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office.
0: Um, so you see this as a positive move, um, just sending more resources our way?
1: I, I think it's a positive move uh, in, in the, the short term. Uh, because because of the volume, uh, especially the homicides that are going up now and with limited resources, the more manpower you can put on investigating those high profile violent crimes certainly is going to going to help. I know there's been other talks about, you know, uh, how it's being worked in other cities. I can't talk to that, but I can talk about the working relationship with the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department and our federal partners has always been very, very positive.
0: Good. That's good to hear. Um, So how would you reassure people who are nervous, um, you know, about maybe this influx of federal agents, um, seeing things that are happening in other cities across the country?
1: Uh, Like I said, with with my experience, what our federal partners are going to be doing is investigating uh, past crimes and probably working on if they have leads on people that they suspect might be involved in some of the violent crime in our city. So I can assure you that Ah, uh, these federal our federal partners, the people that we've worked with for a long time, and have personal relationships with, are professional and are going to do the right thing.
0: Sure. Um. And have you worked with Chief Rick Smith before?
1: I have. I have. Uh, uh, Chief Smith was a of a, a very, very, very good police officer. He was a good. He was a good supervisor and a very good commander. He actually uh, was responsible. Uh, I I had him uh, working in our planning and research uh, unit, and he was working in the research side of things uh, as a captain. And I tasked him with trying to figure out how we could put together a, a police foundation. And he did a very good job of actually putting together the foundation that we have now.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so what do you think of the people who are calling for his termination? You know, I, I just,
1: I understand it. Uh, it comes with the turf. Uh, I guess I'll tell you a story that my mom told me when I was a chief and when, when I would get bad press or somebody would say things bad about me, she would call and, and raise all kinds of heck and say, you know, <laughs> I don't like that. And, and I said, to tell her, I said, Hey mom, you know, you're my mom. You love me. They don't love me so much like you do. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it, it just comes with the turf. And uh, certainly right now are crazy times. Uh, anybody that has an agenda is going to be pushing that agenda, and I understand it. And uh, Chief Smith understands that too. And what he's trying to do is the best job he can possibly get done. He's listening to a lot of people. He's trying to make corrections when he can on the fly. But uh, if you were sitting in his shoes and you're dealing with first uh, a pandemic, and then you're dealt with something that happened as as gruesome as the the killing of uh, Mr. Floyd, and then you and then you come up with your you're told you got you have a budget cut that you have to come up with ten million dollars out of out of this year's budget. Um that's a lot that's a lot to be asked for one person to try to figure out how you're gonna manage that.
0: Yeah, it seems like everything came, you know, all at once this year. Like there's right. just no break. Um so what have you been up to since you left your
1: position as chief? Oh well, uh, my wife and I have done a lot of traveling. Uh, where that's kind of our hobby. We've traveled domestically and internationally, and just have an absolute ball. Uh, we've got some new grandchildren now that we're just crazy about, and we spend a lot of time with the grandkids. So, and and then I did I got I got the, I put together a little consulting group that uh, uh, worked with some local attorneys on uh, plaintiffs. Uh, cases and some defendant cases and it's just nothing the the business is not getting in the way of a tea time or a grandkid is what (laughs) I tell people.
0: That's good it's kind of you know that partial retirement that we all hope (laughs) we'll get to someday. Yes. Yeah that's great. Um, So I heard that Governor Parson called a special meeting of the General Assembly specifically on violent crime? Do you think they'll get anything done?
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a hard question. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, uh, the standard answer would be probably not, but oh, there's hope. At least they're, they're having a session, there's some hope. And at least we'll have some folks talking in the same room about doing something positive uh, for violent crime. Because right now, you're looking at three major metropolitan areas in the state of Missouri. They're at the top of the violent crime uh, list. You have uh, St. Louis and Kansas City and and Springfield. So, and it's election time. You got people that are running for offices. And uh, so with all that and the politics that's going on, uh, the hope part of this, I believe, is people are gonna at least be talking about how to solve the problem, at least trying to put some resources in the right place
0: yeah uh do you think your um study group will be you know sharing information that way or
1: sure I think when the the recommend have what the recommendations are going to come out I think we're going to have a list of recommendations and uh you know what what's what's interesting is there's a lot of people in this country and you know, a lot of police professionals. A lot of academics, uh, social scientists, they're all trying to figure out what's, what's, what's the answer, what's the silver bullet. And I, what I've seen over the years, and what I'm seeing now, there just isn't a silver bullet uh, it's, they're so interrelated with, uh, when, when I was a chief, I called it holistic policing and you have to have, you know, all those sectors pulling together. That would be the education sector, the faith-based sector, the community, the government, the nonprofits, all working together and uh, trying to figure out uh, what's best for everybody. And that's keeping people safe.
0: Yeah. It seems like, you know, especially in an election year, Nobody's going to agree on anything, but
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> seems it's like for any
0: progress to be made, that's the way it has to go.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: No, it's been great talking to you. I just uh, I just keep uh, we keep our fingers crossed, and like I said at the beginning of, of our of our chat, you know, I just I just really want to emphasize. I think it's just it's so important in these times. There are crazy times. We've never been through something like this before. That that people do take care of one another. Try to learn learn more from your neighbor, find out who your neighbor are and basically we this is a perfect time to do some of that stuff because we have a lot of time on our hands and trying to figure out how we can be get involved in our communities, our schools, uh, our churches, uh, our civic organizations the, the more you get involved, the more you'll understand. And I think a lot that we're doing right now, we're trying to understand each other, the whole police issue, the whole police, police improvement stuff. I think if we get to know our, know each other better, we can understand, uh, what, who we are, where we come from. And we can really kind of build a very, very good city, uh, through community, co- community cooperation and, uh, this under, understanding, I think, is something that I think it, it, we all need to know because I hear a lot of things, people talk about what the police should do and what the, what they've done and how bad we are. And certainly we come with a lot of baggage. And we come with a history that's, that's you go back in our history. It's pretty horrible. Uh, but a lot of that stuff has been changed over a period of time. And we still need more change. Uh, but we don't do positive changes unless we have a lot of input for the people we police because – it goes back to sir robert peel uh, who's the founding father of our community policing efforts and it, 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 he says that you know you can't police a community unless you know how they want to be policed and that's that still rings true now
0: sure and i guess you know the common thread is that we all love kansas city you know i have lived in st louis and new york and i made the choice to come back here and you know you've made the choice to remain here after you retired and i think a lot of people feel the same way. They just want to improve the city and do the best that we can.
1: I agree, totally. All
0: right, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, I really appreciate getting your insight on all of these very pertinent issues.
1: It's been a pleasure, Abby, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast, a weekly podcast where we sit down with community members and leaders to gain perspective and dive deeper into local news. You can find our podcast archive at northeastnews.net. I'm Abby Hoover. Thanks for listening.